The harder you work, the luckier you become. You have to start with being grateful for where you are. Gratitude is the greatest thing we can get, do, teach, pass on. There's enough to go around for everybody. When we decide we don't want to learn anymore, it's the day we should quit practice. Because success lies in the balance of life and law, we're here to help you tip the scales. I'm Maria Monroy, co-founder and president of LawRank, a leading SEO agency for ambitious law firms. We get personal about what it really takes to run a law firm, from marketing to manifestation. Daryl Isaacs, also known as The Hammer, he has recovered over $2 billion for his clients and he still gives out his personal cell phone number. I have witnessed this. That's how dedicated and passionate he is. Today, we came together to discuss raising children who value hard work and share gratitude, the power of positive thinking, how masterminds will level up your business, and the Legal Mastermind Summit. That's all coming up, but let's start at the beginning. Daryl's legal career was anything but traditional. I flunked the bar twice. I was one of the lower end, 101 out of 121 in my class. So coming out, I knew I had to do it on my own. No one was going to hire me. During law school, I clerked for a famous criminal attorney, and I sat through 22 jury trials during law school. And he taught me to be a trial lawyer. But I also always loved marketing and management. So I told him I want to try something. And during law school, when I worked for him for my three years, I got him 300 car wreck cases. I did marketing and I worked him, cut my teeth. And so when I came out, I mean, he did offer me to work for him, but I didn't want to do criminal law. So I started with my father. And from day one, I just did personal injury, but I've always incorporated marketing. And so I built it that way. And I ended up going on TV at some point and the firm we started, our 30 year anniversary is coming up and we've done over $2 billion. And it's great because I've got phenomenal team, but we also litigate track cases and we do the masses. So just had a little different upbringing. And I think the reason people in the last four or five years have kind of been more on the national scene is I had a really bad accident. And from that accident in 2015, I decided I was going to help as many lawyers as possible because life's a gift and it's short. And so once I started helping other lawyers, that's where everybody started coming to us. And from that, we have four mastermind groups made up of about 60 law firms all over the country. So we show them and we share and they teach me and I teach them. And that's kind of how it started getting on the national scene. Awesome. And I will get more into that, but I want to know, were you afraid? I mean, failing the bar twice, not doing great in law school, were you worried? Did you have fears? No. If anything, I didn't know I'd ever pass the bar. After you flunk it twice, I just made my mission in life. I was going to spend the rest of my life passing the bar. I mean, I, that was my next goal. In all fairness, I only flunked the bar each time I won multi-state question. So I was very close. But no, I, I wasn't afraid to start my own practice. Look, during law school, I knew that I can always get cases. I still get cases to this day. And I use same things I'm doing 30 years ago. Well, actually, it was 31 because 31 and 32. But I wasn't afraid. I love helping people. I love clients. I love putting myself out there. 
But the hard part, I think, is given the level of customer service that I demand and I expect. So having other people work for me and share my vision, that's the hard part. You know, getting cases is easy going out on my own. I've always been an entrepreneur, so that wouldn't worry about that. But a lot of people would have been really afraid and would have given up. Where did you develop that confidence, that grit? From failing. <laughs> I mean, look, okay, forget the bar. I didn't get in law school. I had to take the, the LSAT three times. So, you know, I took that three times. I took the bar three times. My whole life, I've been an overachiever. Um, I tell everybody, I'm average intelligence at best. Um, but at the end of the day, you I'm not afraid that. to fail. No, I've heard you say that before, and I don't believe you. And I think you're very, very humble. I, I gather that from the, the very first time we spoke. You probably don't even remember when this was. But within three minutes, I was like, "This, I know who this person is. He's like super well-known. And you were handing out your business card to everybody. And it has your cell phone number on it. And I remember thinking, wow, like, what is he doing? Like, I don't hand out my cell phone number. So you're very humble. But I do think that that was, in my opinion, you're I, either you were born with that personality or it was fostered as a child. That idea of you fail, but that's okay. I mean, yeah, oh, I'd agree. I, because look, I have kids and... um Everybody that's a parent, we coddle. My parents, they loved me, but they didn't coddle. I mean, my dad said he was in the military. He was a medic in Korea. He grew up without a father. His father died at four, so he basically grew up without a father. He loved us all. He worked seven days a week, but he said, I'll never forget this early on, because I started working when I was like five and six. He said, I provide necessities you want luxuries, you go to work. He worked. I mean, so he was, he did me a wonderful, wonderful thing. He didn't save me. Every time I'd fail, he'd be there to pick me up. He'd encourage me. And um, I mean, even getting in law school, I mean, I, you know, I was crushed. I didn't get in the first year. I applied, I think three schools and all rejected me. And I was like, oh my God, because you got to understand, I have three older brothers, two attorneys. My dad, you know, was my hero's attorney. And I had an uncle who at one time was appointed by President Lyndon Johnson. He was the top maritime judge. So anything came in and out of the country went through his court. So I felt like, gosh, I got to be like them. And I didn't even know if I'd get in the game. So I don't know. I, I, I just learned it's good to fail because then it makes you work harder and then you get good. I've gotten good at a lot of things, but I'm telling you, I deal with so many people that are so intelligent. I'm like, gosh, you read it once. I got to read it a hundred times, but I'll read it a hundred times. Kind of my thing. You have a growth mindset. Yes. I don't know if you've, there's a book called Mindset. I forget the author's last name, but I think her first name's Carol. And she talks about that. And I started reading it and I was like, oh, I don't need to read this. Like I have a growth mindset, but I have a child that does not. So I read the book because what I realized with my son is that because so much comes easy to him because he's very intelligent, whenever something's hard, he gives up. And I think grit is more important than intelligence, in my opinion. I agree with that. And your son's going to be fine. Look, and I'm not, gosh knows, I need help in the parenting, but I've learned the hardest thing about what we do is if you're successful, and I know you're successful too, 
So your kids automatically, they've got a role model, but they've also got a measuring stick. What if they don't become as successful as mom or dad? And it's okay. You know, we all want our kids to be better than us, smarter and yada, yada. But if, if we take the position we want them to be happy, it's okay whatever they do. It's okay if they don't make a lot of money. You know, I got three kids and um, they're all different. And I keep telling them all, never be like me. Be the best version of you you can be and, and you'll be great. No, absolutely. I guess, and I, I don't know if you ever feel this way, but I feel like... I, I'm raising privileged children. Oh my gosh, you hit this. Yes, yes, we all are raising privileged kids. And I was not. I mean, I'm an, I'm an immigrant. Um, I didn't grow up with money. So, you know, it's just, they're having such a different childhood than mine. And the other day, we went to get ice cream and my middle child, I have three kids as well, got a larger cone by accident than my oldest. My oldest couldn't enjoy his ice cream because he thought life was so unfair that the middle kid had a larger cone. And he says to me, I'm just so unlucky. And my husband and I looked at each other like, you've got to be freaking kidding me. I made him clean the next day. I was like, you've never had to clean your life. You're going to work with the housekeeper and you're just going to clean all day. And he was so upset. And I was like, I don't ever want you to, I don't ever want those words to come out of your mouth. And I get that that's his reality, but. oh, I can relate to that in so many ways because it's a great learning experience. And I've had similar situations with my kids, but listening to you, my first thought is if your oldest son gets the concept that instead of being unhappy, what he didn't get, He's grateful that his brother got something that's really awesome. That's the key to life. And for me, I've made my gratitude is the greatest thing we can get, do, teach, pass on. Trust me, I got three kids and I got one child, a daughter, plays soccer in college. She's the shortest goalie in America, 5'2", D1. And the other two kids think I just adore her. And what I love about her is she's not afraid to fail. She will run through a wall. You can tell her if this is what you want, this is what you got to do. She does it. I love that attitude. I got another son that if something doesn't go his way, he gives up. All I'm trying to teach them, because I'm going to be gone one day and they can spend all my money and all that, but you've got to <laughs> work hard in life. And the harder you work, the luckier you become. And so that's the biggest thing. I've done it with my law firm. You know, there's so many times where we made a mistake and we got to go and then everybody's got to stay four hours and we got to fix it. And guess what? We're going to do it because that's what we do. And and so, but yeah, privilege, everybody in America, we're privileged if you compare us to some third world countries. And I'm in Mexico. I don't know if you know this. We just moved to Mexico City. Oh no, I didn't know you're Mexico. Yeah. So we are, I literally brought them to a third world country so they can have a little bit of adversity in their lives. I mean, I joke, that's not really why we moved here, but, and I've gone on Instagram and have said this recently, we are so lucky to be Americans. Oh, we are so lucky. I mean, think about it. Unless you're American Indian, everybody came over at some point. I mean, my ancestors did. My great-grandfather was a tailor. He was poor. He died poor. But he made sacrifices so I today have my life. And that's why I keep telling my kids. Then the reason I think we're all privileged, 
think about it. When you have kids and you want to do stuff for you, they benefit, but you do things to benefit you. Like if you want to go on vacation, you're not doing it for them. You're doing it for you. So they come along. So part of it's not their fault because we've conditioned them to be privileged, but we can also condition them to work hard. Absolutely. And that's what I'm trying to, I mean, they see it. My husband and I both work a ton and we love to work. So I hope that that, you know, at least kind of has an impact. And my middle child is also a goalie. I mean, he's only eight, but he's so passionate about it. All he wants to do all day is have us kick balls at him. And we're in the, we're in the perfect country for it, but he's the one that has so much grit. And you know, life isn't doesn't come as easy to him. So he has, uh, we believe he's dyslexic. He has speech issues, but he just doesn't give up. And he has such a much more positive outlook on life, I would argue. And, you know, it's always the nature versus nurture. I, I just, how much can I impact this personality? You know, and I'm trying, you know, I'm definitely trying, but we'll see. Well, you're not alone. Your issues are shared by many, including me. <laughs> now, you you said you made a lot of mistakes, and sometimes you guys have to stay or had to stay late. Oh, well, yeah. What's the biggest mistake that you've made while running a law firm? I took on ninety buses for a million five, and COVID hit a month later. So for four months, my ninety buses sat in a I don't know where they sat. They weren't being moved. <laughs> so it was just you know. This is why my mastermind groups prosper. And last week I brought three more on. I don't say this arrogantly. I try to say this humbly. I've told over 40 firms, no. It, you know, I bring on firms if they're a fit and they, they can teach us and then we can teach them. But this is why we prosper versus, you know, all these marketing companies, I'm not going to say their names because you probably know them, but they're not lawyers and they, they, they get all these law firms together but they're not in the trenches. And that's like the summit I got coming up. Everyone that's going to speak is an attorney, but one person, and he works for an attorney and he does the numbers. That's why he's speaking. But we all are law firms. So we get together and I say, look, everybody, I did this. I made a mistake. Don't do it. You know, I, I spent a million five in the investment. I didn't get it back. But I want to share my mistakes and failures so someone else doesn't do it. And, and you know, no one could have predicted COVID, but I could have done things looking back that I would tell everybody to do over, like I would have layered it in instead of doing 90 at once, I could have staggered it and done like 10 a month over and had a new contract each month. But I chose not to do it because I got lazy and my laziness cost me a million five. So when I get together with groups and we start talking like my presentation, I might talk about that and everybody gets it. And then everybody doesn't make the same mistake. That's the power of these groups but for me, everything I do, I want to make my firm better. And so to make my firm better, I share experiences with other firms and they'll tell me what they did wrong. And then I'll go back and we'll discuss it. Well, X firm said, don't do this. And then we'll analyze it. But first and foremost, I want to help others because Zig Ziglar, when I flunked the bar twice and I thought I'd spend the rest of my life passing the bar. And at that time, it went from three times to unlimited. And then I think now it's three times. So I was very fortunate. But you can get anything in this world if you help others get what they want. And that's what I do. I always try to, you know, I say this all the time. No one cares what you think of yourself. Everyone cares what you think of others. So I just think if your goal is to help people, money will come. 
but I want to help people and I get paid back tenfold. I agree. I think you and I have similar philosophies regarding life. Like I really am a firm believer that if you want to change something in your life, you have to start with being grateful for where you are. Even if that's not where you want to be, just having gratitude. And you said something without saying it. You had a lot of intent. You were going to spend the rest of your life trying to pass the bar. And that intent that I'm not going to give up no matter what, like this is all I see. It's such a focused vision that I think is crucial in accomplishing anything. And of course you were going to pass. I mean, with that attitude, you were going to make it happen no matter what. Well, thank you. (laughs) I do. I think it's super cool. (laughs) I, I think it's fascinating when someone is successful at any business. I find it so fascinating. Let's talk a little bit about your masterminds. And I don't know if you've you've heard the quote by Napoleon Hill, no two minds ever come together without, thereby creating a third invisible intangible force, which may be likened to a third mind. Wow. Have you heard it before? I have not. That's pretty cool. Have you read uh, Think and Grow Rich? I haven't. Everybody asked me that, and I probably need to. I've read two books that changed my life, but for me... I've never wanted to be rich. That wasn't my goal. Like, I don't get up every day and say, well, I want to make X amount. Like, I wake up and say, I want to help as many people as possible. Now, if I make money along the way, great, because <laughs> I want to stay in business. But I never I never focus on money. So it's not about making money. And that's the one thing that irks me about the book. It's really, you would love it. You, I, I'm going to send it to you. I'm, I'm going yeah, to send it to me. I, I, will I will send it, it to you. Think and grow rich. I'm going to write that down. Napoleon Hill. Um, it is the... I love self-growth. I've been reading it my whole adult life before it was cool. And when I read Napoleon Hill a few years ago, I felt betrayed by every other book I've ever read because they're all a spinoff of that book. So what are those two books? The One Minute Manager, which if you read it, it's going to change your life because I can't do five things without multitasking. And then The Power of Positive Thinking. That that book has got me through. I love it too. Every time I fail at something, I read it. And um, even my kids... I just, and then I'm going to tell you a third thing I don't read, but I watch at least twice a week. It's a Navy Admiral SEAL that gave a commencement speech for Texas University. I don't know when, but it's like 10 things to change the world. It's 17 minutes long. It's on YouTube. My son first told me about it. My son played high school football and he was, everybody in our family is short. I mean, I'm five, six, my, you know, my son was like five, seven, 175 playing linebacker. And all the linebackers are like 6'4", 240. And one day, I was, and his team was ranked number one in the country at one point. They won like two state titles in his four years. And he played some. He didn't play a lot because he wasn't as big. But I said, how do you, how do you deal with Trinity football? And he goes, you got to go watch it. And I started watching it. This video can get you through anything in life. because it, I'm going it, to watch it. It's amazing. And I'd love to hear feedback. But the book of Power Positive Thinking, I mean, you really, it's like happiness is not defined by your aptitude, but your attitude. It's like if you wake up and say, I'm going to be happy or I'm going to be sad, you're just going to bring whatever you don't want. So if you condition yourself, and I do this every day, if you, you know, look, I'm going to use my summit as an example. I was telling people, I'm going to get have this, I'm going to have 500 plus, and everybody thought it was nuts. I've never done this before. I do my mastermind groups, but I've never had 500 attorneys. And I said, oh, I can do it. And even Haley, who was with me, she's like, yeah, you can do it. But 
I'm doing this to help people, to show people, and to share some of the ideas that I've learned in my groups. But everything I do, I want to help people. And if you have that mindset, then everybody helps me. Now, the mastermind. How does the lawyer know it's a good time to join a mastermind? (laughs) The mastermind, if people don't know what that concept, think of focus groups. If you're an attorney and you want to try a big case, you want to find out all your goods and bads, you get a focus group. A mastermind is a focus group. You come together, you throw ideas in a room. Hey, I'm thinking of doing this. What do you think? Or, hey, I just did this and it, it, it made me $10 million. You want to be exposed to those people. And, you know, anybody can form their own mastermind groups. You can go get three or four law firms. The time to join, though, is whenever you're open to learning, you know, because there's a lot of attorneys out there. And I say this, law school is the only place where people's egos higher than their IQ. If you have an ego, a mastermind's <laughs> not for you because if you come in, I'm serious, though. I've had, I've kicked out probably over 10 law firms because they come in and they think they're God's gift to the world. Well, then they're not going to be open to learning or they're not going to be open to sharing. Yeah, I was just going to say that. That's that's the other thing. You know, I'm going to mention Jen Gore. I'm mentoring Jen. I got her in two of my groups, but Jen loves, and Jen, the other day, Jen was out to dinner with me, and and she's like, you should see Daryl the way he goes in and talks to these law firms and his mastermind groups. I mean, he doesn't take any shit, and he's saying this and that, and I'm like, no, no, I'm not going in to be authoritative. I'm going in to say, we're here to work. We're here to get better. If you want to come and get drunk every night, don't do that on your own time. I mean, I did a breakout group for Brian Panish. It's a trial thing. And he had two of his attorneys in there. And um, Dan kept coming by because he knows I'm like this. You got to give him a break. Well, I tell everybody, I'm going four hours. You want a break, go to the bathroom at will. But I'm going to talk. I'm not, I'm here to work. And then when I'm done, I'm leaving. So you want to get questions. You want to get information. Mastermind groups, same thing. We get together for two and a half days and we start about 830. And I'm in there like, if you're not here at nine, I'm kicking you out. And we go till like five. And we'll take 30 minutes for lunch. But you want to go to the bathroom, you go do it. We're going. And so because it's an opportunity for me to, you know, pick 40 people's brains and for them to pick mine. And so you ask me, when is a good time? Anytime you're open to learning, sharing, and you want to grow your firm is the perfect time. And you're not worried about inadvertently helping your competition? I am helping my competition. And there's nothing I can do about it. I give everybody DMA protection, but it doesn't matter now because Google, Google has like, okay, what do we have? 50 states in America. There's no borders anymore because you can be in Kentucky and I can run a national ad and people in Santa Monica, California can see my ad. There's no borders. So every day I see firms in my group coming through. I'm in Florida. Now I'm not, that's not my market right now, but fair and fair. Then in my group, I just saw their ad, but I also saw Anna John Levine, they're not in my group, but I see so many. John Morgan's not in my group. I see his ads. A lot of firms in my groups, we talk about this every time. Hey guys, we can't infringe on everybody, but it's now with the Arizona ruling and, you know, my understanding there's six mega law firms are going to start an Arizona firm and they're going to start competing all over the country. It's hard not to teach them, but at least I don't get actual competitors like, I'll let in someone from Indiana because I love her, Deb, Debbie, and she's amazing. First, her generation to go to college. First, her generation to go to law school. She was homeless six months. And I gave um, 
a talk somewhere and she saw it nationally. She called my office and said, I want him to help me. And they gave her my cell number because they give everybody a cell number. Yes, you do. <laughs> I said, you know what? I'm going to invite you in. I'm going to help you even though you're a competitor because I love her story. Everybody's got a story. And I've got some firms that are upset with me that are like, hey, I'm trying to mediate a Texas and a California firm because they're infringing on each other, but they're both phenomenal. And I want them both in my group. So I'm coming to them. I feel like the godfather. Can't we get along? Isn't it okay if they get a little piece? What's the big deal? I know you were on Chris Dreyer's podcast recently. We're really good friends and we are- Oh, he's a nice man. He's, oh my God, he's awesome. See, he even gets a shout out on my podcast. I've been on his podcast and I'll have him come on too. He's awesome. And people are like, I think it's so weird. I have a lot of friends that are competitors. People say to me, like, I think it's weird that you're friends with your competitors. I'm like, why? There's enough to go around for everybody. We are all successful. And having that mentality only hurts you. Right, right. I agree. That's why I have four groups because I have so many firms that want to be in it, but they can't. So each group, like California has got four different firms in each group, you know, one in each group. So, and the deal is whatever's in the group stays in the group. I don't share it with other groups, but the competition thing, it's always a challenge. And I just said, if you want to do it, you can't be in it. And they understand. I mean. No, and it makes sense. I get it. You want to be able to share openly and I, I, I get it. Now, back to the mastermind thing. What do you think are the biggest benefits? Like if you could say this is like, this is the reason to join, what would you say? Well, I could talk all day. Let me, let me give you maybe my top four or five. One, we share our mistakes so we learn. Two, we share our victories so we learn. Three is the networking Another one is the relationships. Each group has built some fabulous bonds and it's just, it's networking relationship. But I think the most important reason to join is the mentoring. I mean, Jen, you can ask her. She tells everybody. I mean, she's probably got me 10 firms because, you know, she's like, Daryl's amazing. I don't do it for her to say that. I just love helping people. And I'm helping Jen, but say Gordon's helped me. I mean, there's so many people, you know, Jim Adler, he's my hero. And um, Jim last night, he reaches out all the time. And every time he does, I'm like, God, Jim, you know, you've forgotten more than I'll ever know. And then he's like, no, Daryl, you got a gift. You'll do this and that. We all help each other. And the biggest thing, though, is the relationships. Last night, Jim had a problem. So he sent it out and literally six firms, including myself, we all sent how we would deal with it. And I thought, if you knew who the firms were, you'd be blown away. I'm blown away. I mean, these are some of the top in the industry. And I just love it because I always look at the time response in an email. So I I hate email. I'd rather you text because I get too many spam emails. But literally within five minutes, three firms gave him an answer. I mean, Who does that? That's the power of the mastermind. That's amazing. And now you've taken that and you've gone a step further and you're throwing a conference. I mean, that's just nuts. What what has the process been like? It's been hell. (laughs) (laughs) I've had about four of my regular team members that that's all they do. I had no idea it's this much work, but... Um, Haley, who's amazing, I, she should get more credit. She's 
Everybody in my group's lover. Everybody tries to hire. Haley is the ultimate professional. She's another behind the scenes. She didn't want the credit. We're rolling out a bunch of videos, and I'm going to make her talk a little bit because she's taught me so much. But she, it's been a full-time job for her seven days a week. There's so much that goes on that, I mean, you got to have AV equipment. Like all the people that are sponsoring, they got to have the right boost. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're going to help a lot of attorneys that need help. I mean, there's some that don't need help. And I've seen my competitors. I mean, I can see whose name's coming through. And like, there's one advertiser that um, he's not sponsoring. He's not part of it. And this guy spends 50 million a year on advertising. And he was one of the first ones to buy a ticket. I don't know if that's a compliment or I need to look over my shoulder when my competitors are coming. But you know what? I'm going to put it on. I think that's a compliment. I guess it's a compliment. But I'm going to get up there and I'm going to teach and talk. And I don't care who's in the... I never mind. And what can people expect from your conference? They're going to hear the Jim Adlers, the Gordon, the Mike Morris. They're going to hear people say, this is how they did it. Okay? Now, you don't have to copy them. You can take them, implement them, change them. But... You know, it's the thing, like, we're not going to get up there and hold secrets because at the end of the day, if we go back to what you and I talked about in the beginning, you got to work hard. There's no magic pill to lose weight. Like, I've lost 67 pounds since January. I worked my ass off. I watched Joe Freed. You know, he's done a Peloton, I think, 900 days in a row. There's no magic formula, but what we're going to do is show you some techniques that if you apply them, you can learn. It's actionable stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like me, I'm going to show you what I did to get my two billion. Not, not you know, not worth two billion. I've done two billion for a client, so I want to make that clear. But I'm going to show you. Here's what I've done to do that, and that's what each attorney, like Ben Crump's going to talk. I mean, Ben's got to be the hottest attorney in America right now. But Ben's going to talk about and tell you a little bit how he's built a national brand, and how cool would it be if everybody could get the exposure he's getting. So I'm not saying you're going to come and be the Ben Crump. But it's cool to go and listen to other people that have been there. And that's what we want to do. A second thing that I think if you come to my summit, we got some great sponsors, but we're all going to network. If I'm talking to you, I'm going to introduce you to everybody I'm talking to. I want everybody to meet everybody. Like I met you. I met you through some people. Now I feel like you and I are friends. And, you know, you asked me to come to your podcast. I would do anything you need for me because, you know, I know you want to help. You want to teach and I feel like I could reach out to you and say, Maria, you know, I got somebody that they need SEO help. Will you talk to them? That's the whole power of the networking. But you're not going to be able to go anywhere in the country and get this for two and a half days. And then let me go out on a limb. There is some fabulous other places and I've been to them and there's still going to be other marketing conventions. I'm not saying we're the best. I'm just saying we're going to present something that's unique because you're going to actually talk to people who have been in the trenches. It's almost like going to a war and you talk to the people that have been there and came back. Well, tell me what to do so I can avoid the mistake that maybe you made. That's what I'm really proud of. That's so exciting. Congrats. We would love to throw a conference one day, but that just seems so like so much work. And I've talked to Dan Ambrose about it and he's like, dude, it's so much work. <laughs> I remember after his first Trialers University, I was like, I'm so proud of you. Like, this is amazing, you know? And he's someone that surprised me. Oh, I'm not surprised. And I didn't know Dan before. Who introduced us? Oh, Paul with X Social. Paul said, Dan, you need me, Daryl. Dan calls me and I can tell him the phone. Dan is very driven and he's a salesman. 
and he networks. Dan said, hey, we're going to try this and that. So I went and met Dan at the um, Miami, well, it was in Miami, I think it was a national trial or something. Yeah. And then Dan, well, the one in January of last year, I said, well, I'm leaving to go to my home in Florida. I've got all these mastermind groups coming in a few days. So Dan calls me and says, can I come? I'm like, well, why would you want to come? He's like, well, I'm a lawyer. I want to see what you do. So he came, introduced me to everybody, and then we just did our show. I almost forgot Dan was there. The next morning, he shows up again. I'm like, what are you doing here? And he said, I love it. It's great. He taught everybody. You know, he talks real fast. That's what I love. So ever since then, he said, let's do stuff together. So Dan got me involved doing these breakout groups. And then Dan's the one that I thought, God, if you can do it, I can do it. So it's just great that you get with all these people and then you learn. And I'll put this in the show notes, but tell us how can people join one of your groups or attend your conference? First and foremost, I'll give everybody my cell. My cell number is 502-817-1000. Call or text. I'll talk to you. If you want to attend the conference, you can go to www.braintrustlegalgroup.com and you can sign up. We'll put a discount code for $300. We'll use Law Rank. They can get a $300 off. It's from September 28th through the 30th. And... And then if you're interested in joining a group, you can reach out. My email is Daryl, D-A-R-R-Y-L, at wewin.com. And you can email me and we'd be glad to talk and see if you're a fit or if you think we're a fit. But yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for letting us promote it. And thank you for having us. No, thank you for the discount code. And I hope you don't get spammed. <laughs> you're just oh, a brave, right. you're a brave soul. Uh <laughs> No, you you know what? It's, it's so funny. Um, I tell everybody this. I've gotten more million-dollar cases from my cell phone. But lawyers don't want to give their cell phone out. And I'm like, why? And they go, well, they'll call me all the time. You know, I used to get my clients early on. I had I've handled over 2,000 cases before I ever got an attorney to help me. I gave everybody my cell phone. And I always tell people, if I'm not there, leave a message. A lot of times I'm helping others. But I've never had any client abuse it. And if anything, most of them are scared to call you because they think, oh, you're too busy and this and that. But I think giving your cell phone is the number one tool to market. And I don't know, it's worked for me. And, you know, even um, like Mike Morris, a good friend of mine, he didn't, I don't want to get my cell phone out. Well, then let people think it's your cell phone and they can, you know, someone can answer it or monitor it. But I just think I don't want to do business with anybody that can give me their cell phone because it's harder to get a hold of. So I think it's a great marketing tool, and I don't think attorneys take advantage of it. You mentioned networking, and I feel like it, it keeps coming up, and you're a great networker. I mean, I knew that from, again, two minutes of meeting you. What advice do you have for lawyers? Because not everybody is as comfortable networking. Well, <laughs> okay. I know it's so funny you say that, because I won't say who, but two of the attorneys on my attorney panel list we're going to speak. And out of the blue, they called and said, I'm nervous, I'm scared to speak in front of many people. And I'm like, what do you mean you're an attorney? You go to law school, you're supposed to speak. I just presume because I can do it, everybody can do it. And I don't mean that arrogantly. What I mean is not everybody's comfortable putting themselves out there. And I understand that now. But if you are an attorney and you want to get better, make your practice better, hire great talent. I mean, how did you get in law school? How did you get a spouse, a boyfriend, a girlfriend or whatever? How did you get 
in college? How did you make a sport team? You got to network. You got to market. You got to tell everybody why they want you, why they need you. Or, you know, if I'm trying to go out and court somebody, this is what I need from you or this is what I need you to do for me. We're always selling ourselves. And so I think network is so amazing. I mean, let's say you're a trial attorney and you want to get better. What would I do to network? Well, I'd go hang out with like the Ben Clowards, the, you know, Brian Panis's Rex Paris. I've done that. That's what they got to do. But I think that can be so intimidating for some people. Here's the way I look at it. I look at everybody puts their clothes on the same way we do. Maybe they don't pull their pants up as high or maybe they pull them higher. <laughs> but you won't know unless you ask early on, early on. Joseph Jamel, he's dead. He had the $10 billion verdict, Texco. Guy was a legend. I literally reached out to him. I, it's, God, I don't know what it's been. He sent me his closing argument. I just called and said, I'm a fan. Will you do it? You know, yada, yada. And he did it. I didn't think he would even take my call. I've been doing that. I did that. Philip Corboy, he's gone too. He was amazing here in Chicago. So I guess my point is, like people like Deborah, she reached out to me and I said, yes, I'll help you. You got to get out of your comfort zone and you got to pick up the phone and call or you got to walk up. I've had more lawyers come up to me and say, I want to meet you. And I think it took guts for them to do it. So I want to spend time making them feel special. But if you want to go work for someone and you're not in the limelight and you don't want to talk to anybody, I get that. But I think the better approach would be take a chance, introduce yourself, ask for help. My number one secret for meeting people, I always say something positive about whoever I'm with. I always build people up. You know, I had a great story I'm going to tell you, and it breaks my heart. The Internet is so cruel. Social media is the curse of the 21st century. If you think about it, you got kids, I got kids. How many times do our kids go on and see people are having a party or people are spending the night at a girl's house and they weren't invited and they post pictures? I think that's horrible. But at the same time, that's the world we live in. So we have to either adapt, accept or do something about it. I fought on getting Facebook. I went on Facebook uh, six months ago. I hated it. I don't want to be a part of it. But I realized in my market, the under 30 crowd doesn't watch TV. And so we got to get on social media. So now I got on TikTok and I got 30,000 followers and everybody said, I don't, I don't like TikTok, but I do it because I'm trying to prove all my law firms, you can do it. So yesterday I'm on Facebook and there's a lady, I won't tell you how I know her because I want to protect her identity, but she's gone through cancer and she's lost her hair. And I know she has struggled. And so I always try to shout encouraging things. Well, yesterday she showed a picture of before and after. And I know why she's doing it because there's some cruel people out there. And she showed, you know, what cancer's done to her. I right away, it just got to me. I was like inside crying. I sent her a picture and I said, you're beautiful with or without hair. We're praying for you. You have a lot of positive, you have a lot of people behind you. But it breaks my heart. There's people out there that they're going to see a bald woman and think, oh, she's not attractive. She's just as beautiful as anyone else. She didn't pick cancer. She didn't pick to lose her hair. But I thought it took so much guts to show her picture without hair. And I thought, I wanted the whole world to see. She is a beautiful person. You don't need to have hair to be beautiful. But it just, it breaks my heart that the internet is so cruel. And and I wish... I wish everybody would be kind to one another. Look, we don't have to agree. We don't have to even like each other. But you can help build people up. And that's what I do. That I don't do anything magic. I, everybody says I got this personality. 
my grandmother lived to be 103. And the one thing she taught me before she died, she made me swear in her, well, when her deathbed, I saw her two times before she died. She made me promise that I always be kind and treat her by respect. And so every time I do it, I think of my grandmother. And that's what I do. You're very good at it. Thank you. <laughs> I don't think you see anything I do magic, but thank you. I mean, no, you are. I, I mean, and I think it's, look, we all know that hurt people hurt people, you know, and now they get to, people get to hide behind a computer and it's, it's very sad. I, I, I'm not there with my kids yet. They don't have, they're little, but I'm definitely worried about it because I didn't grow up with social media. I just missed it. And I'm like, God, I wonder what that would have done to me, you know, as a young teen, as a young girl, as a young female to grow up with it. I can tell you, with I didn't grow up with social media either. I didn't have my first cell phone until I was 27. We had a pager when I was a lawyer. I had to pull over and get a phone booth to drive up. I mean, my kids didn't know what a phone booth was. And I, you know, I took them to London one time. They had a phone book and I was showing them. <laughs> we, I used to live in those things because that's you had to make a call. But I'm glad I didn't grow up with social media because when I flunked the bar the second time, there was 131 people. There were two of us that flunked twice and George, did, he quit. And I'm like, don't quit, but he did. But I was hearing all the butt ends of jokes. Like I was dumb, I was this and that. And it wasn't on social media back then because it wasn't doing it. But I felt humiliated and I didn't go around any of them. And then later on, when I became successful, I've had eight different people in my class that would apply for jobs. But there was two in particular that would say all these bad things. And when they came out, you know, they got through because someone else was... And as soon as I saw him, I'm like, oh, no way. You're not working for me because forget you treated me like shit. You're going to treat my clients like shit. Bottom line is social media, it, you know, it, it can be good and bad. We're stuck with it. But it's hard because you want to protect your kids. But, you know, I hate to say it. You got to let them experience it because if you shelter them forever, then they're not going to know how to deal with life. But I'm thankful every day I grew up without social media. I agree. And I think our generation, my generation, your generation, we all feel that way. But it's so sad that it's still like, well, I'm addicted to it. I'll be the first one to tell you that I'm on social media all day. And it's awful, but I check in constantly. And I've tried to like make it more positive by creating a Maria Loring Instagram account and kind of just engaging with people in the industry. So I say I'm working, but it's still social media, right? Right, right. Uh, but I remember I begged my parents for a pager and they would not get it. And I never had a pager and I'm bummed to this day that I didn't get to experience having a pager. So now let's say you had to start a law firm from scratch today in 2022. What would you do? First thing I would do, I would get the world's greatest phone number. And the second thing I would do is I'd get the greatest domain and I would set up and be a tech law firm because we are adapting. Like we just, we're, we're training for file vine. I feel like I'm always behind and with technology, I haven't utilized it because, you know, I'm the Fred Flintstone, you know, I still, my greatest asset is, is talking and, you know, I, I pick up the phone and call people and, I, you know, I'm not a email. I don't like text. I'll do it. But I think I love branding and marketing and selling, but I would also be a tech law firm. And that I wasn't a tech law firm. I think Aliyah Watt is doing that, right? He's like, runs a fully remote. He's amazing. Yeah, he's He's got to be a good friend of mine and we help each other. I'm going to speak at his event 
and he's going to speak at mine. But I've also, um, he, the other day I spent, I had my team and he spent an hour and he was blowing us away because we're not doing the things. Like I say, I get cases the old fashioned way. He's getting them the new way, but his is the future. And that's what people need to be more like him and less like me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm speaking at it at his event as well. I spoke last year and it was a great event. I'm super, super excited. Oh, well, good, good. Now tell me, what do you wish you had learned in law school? There's nothing they can teach you. I was very blessed because I worked for an attorney and I learned I learned more from this attorney and, and doing cases. It's not that I, law school, you go in, you, you, you read a case, you use the IROC method, issue rule analysis conclusion, and then you regurgitate it. If law school was smart, they would do it more like med school. They'd make you intern a year or two. There's so many attorneys that come out and they don't know what they're doing. You got to go work. I know. And that's the whole point. Like, what do you wish was? Okay. Let's say one of your kids says, I'm going to go to law school, dad. What do you wish changed and that they learned that? I just wish they would learn to argue and try cases instead of just working on theory. All the top students get the accolades, all the ones that are like in the top research. I mean, I just look at all the all the ones that I know that are doing really well. They became good trial lawyers. They became good business people. I think law school should also teach them more entrepreneurship because, like I say, people go to law school and they're just not prepared to run a law firm or they're not prepared to run a business. And if they can get a job at a big, you know, Big law defense firm, great, but I've seen so many partners apply to work at our firm that were making six figures and their names on the door. And I'm like, why are you applying? Because they're miserable. They learn, they do one area of law. I just think law schools should make everybody be better prepared for the real world. But I don't think it's going to happen because you got a lot of law teachers, they couldn't make it as a lawyer. And so that they go teach and they're, you know, I mean, being honest, I, What's the saying? If you can't, if you can't do teach or something like that. Well, I, I used to hear the A students are the, you know, would like be the professors and the B students. I was the C student. I graduated two, three. You know, I had one teacher that was, um, he was my torch teacher, and um, I was the only student he invited when he retired. I mean, not from law, but he practiced for a hundred years. He was very Ronald Eads. I think he's passed, but I was the only student. I was his most memorable student because I used to, during class, I always thought, how do we make money? I kept, I didn't care what the rule of law was. I wanted to know how can we take this and, you know, because it was torts. I knew I was going to practice torts. I just think they need to do a better job of preparing you to go out and run a practice. And, um, you know, it, it, it's funny. I've been helping more trial lawyers lately. Um, and even last week, and I did a breakout group, there were two or three attorneys, one of Got like a $60 million verdict. And they stayed after after class, after our four-hour lecture. And they're like, I need help. I need this and that. And I'm thinking, you just got a $60 million verdict. What do you need from me? And I'm thinking, if I had a – I mean, we just had a $10 million verdict in November, and we're proud. But I thought, man, people in Russia should know your name. So I just think you get a big verdict, you just tell the world. you know. So I don't know. But those are those are the best people. It's what you and I – talk about. It's like that willingness to learn and to feel like I'm never done learning. I have a, a client that at a conference 
someone said, oh, I don't go to the session because there's nothing that can be learned. And this is a trial lawyer that's very successful. And he turns and he goes, I always learn something. And I thought, oh, I love that. Like that is, that is the mindset, you know, that that's. Well, I can tell you this, Brian Panish, who I think, I think Brian Panish is the, probably arguably the best single event attorney in the world. Said two different billion dollar verdicts and amazing. I was talking with him and he's telling me, he learns every day. And I just thought it is so refreshing because I tell everybody I can learn from law students. I can, you know, I talk to law students. I had breakfast with them at Brian's thing. And I always, you know, hey, you know, start talking. And I learned something I didn't know. When we decide we don't want to learn anymore is the day we should quit practicing. I truly believe that. Law firms are adapting and changing, but some tried and true methods like great websites and memorable phone numbers, can help keep you ahead of the competition. As Daryl shared with us today, the core values that drive your firm forward will lead you into success. If this conversation moved you, please share it with someone you want to see succeed and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Catch us next week on Tip the Scales with me, Maria Monroy, president and co-founder of LawRing. Hear how the best in the business broke out of limiting beliefs, overcame adversity, and built a thriving, purpose-driven business in the process.